You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Let's pray. Lord, we just look to you. Jesus, we love you. We give you our full attention. We ask, Lord, that you would move in our hearts, in our lives. Lord, we desire to be your people, a people that you dwell with. So in that, God, we surrender fully to you. And we ask that you would have your way in our hearts and our lives. Rearrange, change, transform, make us more like you, Jesus. I ask for our hearts to be soft, our hearts to be open to your voice today. We thank you, Lord. We ask for your healing to come to our land. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As Pastor Aaron said, I'd really encourage you to, to check out last week's message if for any reason you weren't able to, to watch online or be here. And we'd love for you to really receive from that word. It was a beautiful, amazing message that we all needed to hear. And I don't know about you, but at the end of the message last week, and after hearing Jeffrey share his heart at the end, I don't know how you felt, but I felt like hitting my knees and beginning to cry and beginning to repent. Repenting for being quiet for too long as the church and me personally. Repenting for not being compassionate enough and repenting for the sins of the church of America and of our nation. We're gonna continue on breaking the silence today. Because I believe it can't be just brushed over, skipped past, and hurried through. Maybe you felt like responding the same way I did. Maybe you didn't. But I believe this must be the response of the church. The response of the church of America and of Christians who desire to live like Jesus and to see a move of God in our day and in our land. We must be willing to listen, yes. We must be willing to believe that we don't have a full understanding and full perception of what life looks like for a lot of folks. We must be willing to go into the uncomfortable and confront the issue of racism and hatred. We must be willing to have compassion for those hurting around us. There are humans around us that are hurting, that are crying out for change. And we have to be willing to hear their cry, cry with them, and be a part of the solution. I don't believe this has to be a topic and an issue and a subject that we have to address 40 years from now. That we can be a part of a solution as the body of Christ to see this terrible evil eradicated from our lives. Just, as, just like when your physical body hurts in some area, your whole body feels it and is affected by it. We as the body of Christ 
should hurt with our brothers and sisters who are hurting. We should be hurting with what is going on in our society today. And we must be willing to mourn with those who mourn, as the Bible teaches us. I feel in many ways the world does this better than the church does. Someone in a fraternity club comes to their fraternity brothers or sisters and says, this happened to me, I'm hurting. And without question, without having to have a long explanation, they rally around them and are willing to defend them, willing to see justice. Maybe it's in a gang, maybe it's in a social club, and people rally around those that are hurting and are willing to come to their cause and come to their side. In the church, we have to have a five-point explanation of what took place and be able to fully understand before our heart actually is engaged with compassion. This should not be the case. It should not be this way. We need to rise up as the victorious church of Jesus Christ that he died for, that he shed his blood for, and cut off the head of this demonic principality once and for all. Because that is what it is. It's demonic. Racism and what is happening in our country right now is not a political issue. Sorry if that offends you or upsets you, but it's not a political issue. It's not because it's an election year. It's not even just a social issue. It's a spiritual issue. I'm telling you, talking with Jeffrey has taught me a lot. And if you were to tell him that what's happening in our world right now is because it's a political issue and it's an election year, that is deeply offensive. It's deeply hurtful. You need to learn. You need to be willing to have compassion for those that are around you. This is a spiritual issue at the core of it. It's a kingdom of God issue, and we are in a spiritual battle over this. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Put on all of God's armor that you may be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This is who our battle is against. We are continuing to call out this evil of racism and hatred today. Though it is a sin, we aren't going to lump it in in a a list of other sins. We're going to shed light on it. It's absolutely demonic at its core. Just as I would meet with someone who needs deliverance in their life, and they express how things in their life have, in a sense, come to the surface, and a light is being shown on them, and they are given an opportunity to take care of it and to deal with it, I would tell them that's the mercy of God. That's the kindness of God. That's the goodness of God that would bring your issues to light, to the surface, so that you would deal with them and find deliverance, find freedom, and find healing. I believe that that is what God is doing right now in the church and in our nation. That the issues that have been there for a long time are fully manifesting, going beyond the surface for, to give us an opportunity to experience his mercy and his freedom. To be set free from this evil. 
Though it seems like there's a strong natural battle raging, this is a spiritual battle that has been raging for a long, long time. If you're willing to look through the violence, the riots, the protests, and be honest with yourselves, could it be possible that God is trying to show us something? That God is speaking to us? Perhaps, perhaps all of this division that we are seeing manifest in our nation right now, whether it be over racial issues, political issues, COVID-19 issues, is it real or not? Is it a conspiracy or not? Maybe all of these divisions are being allowed to continue in our land because of the divisions, the prejudices, the biases that are tolerated in the church of Jesus, the church of America. Perhaps these evils of racism and hatred have continued for generation after generation because of a divided and silent church who harbors its own secret sins of racism, prejudice, unforgiveness, comparison, competition, and pride. Have you ever thought to look in the mirror and go, why is what's happening in the world happening? Perhaps God is giving us another opportunity to see justice, love, and reconciliation take place that can usher in a great revival that has longevity. I'm not against natural causes to try to change what is happening in our world today. I believe that we need to have a, a both approach, a natural and a spiritual approach. I'm not against signing petitions and writing letters to government and peaceful protests and these different things that we can try to do to change the world that we live in. But people who don't follow Jesus can also do those things. We as the church need to do what we only can do, what we can do. And that's repent, first and foremost. And that's pray. Often we hear, we need to pray for unity. We need to have unity. Where unity is, God commands the blessing. There's anointing. I'm telling you that before we can have unity and before we can unify, we must repent. We can't have unity before repentance takes place. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14. This is God speaking. He says this, if my people who are called by my name. Who's responsible here? Us. We are the people of God, the people who bear his name, the church. If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We all pray out for the revival. We all cry out for the healing of the land. But there has never been a revival that was not preceded by repentance. Whether biblically, Old Testament, New Testament, or after the Bible was finished and in our current history of the last 2,000 years, there has never been a revival that was not preceded by repentance. 
We cannot have a sustained move of God that goes from generation to generation with a divided church. I think about the Azusa Street Revival that happened in the early 1900s in Los Angeles where really the day of Pentecost was restored and the Pentecostal, Pentecostal movement really was ushered in and moved out throughout the entire globe, a, a move of the Holy Spirit that had affected the, the entire world even to this day. You want to know who led that revival? An African-American man with one eye named William Seymour who was so hungry for a move of God he could not attend Charles Pornham meetings where they would talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He received an impartation of an overflow sitting outside of the building. He went to Los Angeles and began to pray for what God wanted to do of a revival in that land. And God showed up. People actually would call the fire department because they saw flames on top of the building where they would meet. The entire city was transformed and the world still is feeling the effects of that move. But you know what? That revival was cut short. Wasn't able to have its full effect that God wanted, I believe. You want to know why? Racism. Because a lot of folks did not like who was leading that movement. And it was ended. I believe that what God wants to do is going to be cross-cultural. I didn't say that right. Cross-cultural, diverse, and will come in ways that we would not expect. Ways that make us feel uncomfortable. But if we're willing to love how Jesus loves, and we're willing to be humble and hungry for him no matter what, then anything is possible. And God will move and sweep across our land that will last for generation after generation. But first we must repent. You might say, repent for what? I'm not a racist. Maybe you're a young person. You're a teenager. You're a young adult. And you're like, I have, those sins that are happening in our world today, they were committed by people long before me. Michael Todd, a great pastor, African-American pastor in our nation today made this great statement. Maybe it's not your fault, but it's your fight. Well, are you willing to be an intercessor? Who is an intercessor? What is an intercessor? One that would be willing to stand in the gap and pray and repent, even for things that maybe they personally have not committed. But on behalf of the Church of America on behalf of the nation, be willing to repent and ask for God's mercy and ask for God to come and heal our land. Are you willing to be an intercessor? Are you one that would be willing to speak to the demonic strongholds and principalities and ask God to send his warring angels to cut off the heads of the principalities and strongholds in our land and in our region? Because no demonic spirit, no demonic stronghold has ever been moved or bound up without a spoken word addressing it and telling it to be silent, to be stopped, and be removed. But we've been silent for way too long. 
those who have encountered the Lord and have seen who he is and who know him and know his heart should have the immediate response to be ones who would want to be an intercessor, who would want to pray and intercede for those around them. Jeremy mentioned already, but I, I, I think of Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah is in the throne room of heaven and he encounters the Lord and he sees Jesus on the throne and he hears and sees the angels crying out, holy, holy, holy. And he immediately responds with, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. He immediately recognized that he was amongst people who needed God and that he was one of them too. And the angel comes and takes the coal to his lips and cleanses him and says, your sins are atoned for. And then what is his response after that? He begins to hear the Godhead have a conversation about who's going to go be a mouthpiece for us. Who's going to go be a prophetic voice? Who's going to go declare the word of the Lord to the people? And Isaiah's response was, here I am, send me to be that person that stood in the gap, to be that voice, to be that one that would cry out for the Lord. That must be our response. I believe the Lord's heart, heart is hurting even more than humanity's heart is. I believe our first response, again, to this evil of racism as the church is to repent. And I believe our second response in that is to look to Jesus, to look at him. I have a question for you. It's a rhetorical question, but you can answer out loud if you know the answer. I have a question for you. What standard are we as Christians supposed to go by for what our love is supposed to look like? What standard, what is the standard for what our love is supposed to look like? It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, has no compassion for them. How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Are we willing to lay down our lives for one another? Are we willing to lay down our lives for someone that we don't agree with? Someone that isn't like us. Someone that doesn't look like us or sound like us. They share a different political view. They share a different economic view. Are we willing to lay down our lives in love? Are we willing to defend them? Pray for them? Are we willing to impart into the next generation so that the wrongs that have been repeated no longer continue to be repeated. Are you willing to love those around you or only those that agree with you? The world should be looking to us, the church, to see what real love looks like. What real unity looks like we should be known for our love. But sadly, in many ways, we are not. 
Now, in many different ways, in many different cases, I'm speaking about the church of America, not just the promised church. But I think we really need to personalize this. To love one another in such a uniting way, in such a way that crosses no matter what barrier society would try to put there. Paul wanted us to be in unity. Jesus wanted us to be in unity. One of the last prayers that Jesus cried was for unity. And Paul said this in Ephesians chapter four, says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep unity. Instead of making every effort to maintain unity, we so often get offended at things that really don't matter, that are really petty things, things that go on in churches or the things that leaders do. And we wanna move on to the next church down the road. We usually have no clue how to love and have unity with those that don't agree with us or who are not like us. Biases and prejudice have existed in the church all the way back to the early church in the book of Acts, and it's got to stop. At some point, some generation's gotta rise up and say enough is enough, and we will not let it continue in our time. I'm gonna show you just real quick where there was those biases in the early church and where we can stop it today. In Acts chapter 10, Peter, was called to go to Cornelius' house to preach the gospel. And he had a really hard time with it because he didn't think that God would call the Gentiles to know the Lord. And it took a huge dramatic vision, an opened vision for him to realize that God was actually calling him even though Jesus left him the great commission that said, go into all the nations and preach the gospel. Acts 11. The believers were first called Christians in Antioch. Why? This is the first church where both Greeks and Jews actually began to be saved at the same time and do church together at the same time. Could it be that that was why they were first called little Christ, Christ-like ones? Because a diverse church. Acts 15. The Christian leaders had to deal with Christian Jews forcing, forcing Christian Gentiles to follow certain practices of the law that no longer were needed, were no longer valid. Like you had to physically become circumcised to say you were a Christian. And that was no longer needed. It was no longer valid. But yet they were trying to force these restrictions and these rules on people that were not like them. In Galatians chapter two, Peter would not eat with other Gentiles and he caused Barnabas and other believers to begin to stumble until Paul confronted him and said, what are you doing? I mean, that's a clear picture of racism there. Not even willing to associate or eat with other believers of a different ethnicity. We must look to Jesus and receive his love for humanity and for ourselves. 
His love. Jesus' love is unconditional. His love is barrier breaking. Jesus intentionally hung out and showed love to people that no one else would. Will you? I wanna end with this. First Peter chapter four, verse seven and eight. I feel like it's a prophetic scripture. It's a very clear scripture for where we are right now. It says the end of all things is near. If that was true in Peter's time, it's true for us today. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And you are my desire to be like Christ and to love like Christ. I urge those of you that know that you have evils of hatred, prejudice and racism in your hearts to repent and ask the Lord to deliver you and transform your heart with his love. I ask those of you who have been apathetic, complacent, ignorant and silent instead of defending the oppressed to also repent and be silent no longer and put movement to your love. I'm in this camp, silent no longer, ignorant no longer. I encourage those of you that have been hurt from racism, from prejudice, from sexism, from bias, from rejection, from abandonment, and from hatred to ask the Lord for the grace to forgive those that have wronged you and to give him your pain. Maybe you're in this room, maybe you're watching and you've experienced the hatred of others and it has hurt your heart and it has shaped the way you live and has shaped who you are in many ways. I would appeal to you and encourage you to ask the Lord for the grace to forgive those that have wronged you and to give him your hurt, your pain, your anger, your discouragement, and your disappointments. For only through forgiveness can the healer Jesus come to us and begin to heal those wounds and remove that pain and heal our land. Would you all stand with me? I wanna just, just open this front area up. If you need to respond in any way, I encourage you to do so. But I believe that as the church, we have a responsibility and an opportunity to repent. To ask the Lord to forgive us and to cleanse us, to humble ourselves. And maybe again, you might personalize this and go, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm in a good place in my heart towards others. Are you willing to be an intercessor to repent on behalf of the Church of America, on behalf of our nation and ask God for his mercy 
and ask God for his grace. Are you willing to look to Jesus to experience his love, to know his love deeply and personally so that you can love those around you with his love? He's the standard. He's the standard. We cannot lower the bar. We cannot compromise. We cannot settle. He's the standard. No longer can we allow division, disunity. No longer can we allow differences differences of opinion, difference of thought, difference of perspective, difference of background, to be a point that tears people apart any longer. I wanna ask Jeffrey and Aurora to come up here. And I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful not only because they're gonna be our new youth pastors, and how God has brought them here for what they've already been doing, but also what they're gonna be doing. But I believe that they are a gift from God for this house to help us in this time, in this moment. To be ones that would help us to walk in reconciliation and healing. And I've already said this to Jeffrey, but I, I apologized to him and I repented to him for how ignorant I was how my lack of understanding was and not being as compassionate and supportive as I needed to be to him personally, but towards the African-American community especially. And I believe church, we need to be ones that would be willing to even repent to those in our lives that are our friends that are of a different ethnicity, to the Latinos in our lives, to those that would be in a different background maybe a different economic status that we've judged. Maybe you have a prejudice towards people who live in poverty. It's gotta stop. People who are without shelter, it's gotta stop. God wants to eradicate prejudice from our heart. He wants us to have his love And I've asked them to pray. Jeffrey's gonna pray in Spanish and Aurora's gonna interpret. And then Jeffrey's gonna pray in English and we're gonna pray. I believe God wants to do something powerful in this moment of healing, of reconciliation, of, of, of a movement that can sweep across a nation, a region for repentance that ushers in a move of God that changes our society. Santo. Father God, ayúdanos a reconocer help us to understand la culpa que, que cada uno tenemos en este asunto. The fault that we have in this que cada persona that every person personalmente personally siente that we feel la culpa, la culpa the fault que tenemos. that we have. Nos arrepentimos we repent de parte de los pecados On of the sin, que ha sido hecho has 
de generación en generación From generation to generation. de parte de las personas On behalf of the people que ignoraban that ignored lo que estaba pasando that was happening. les perdonamos We forgive them de nuestro corazón From our hearts. Rompe, rompemos las cadenas We break the chains de perdón Unforgiveness. en el nombre de Jesús In the name of Jesus. danos compasión Give us compassion por nuestro vecino for our neighbor. que el único color que veríamos the only color that we should see es la sangre de Jesucristo is the blood of Jesus. el color rojo The color of red. Danos compasión Give us compassion por nuestros hermanos hispanos for our, for our y, y, y que cuando los vemos them, te obedecemos we obey. We obey, we obey. Oh. obedecemos a ti we obey you. cuando nos dices a invitarlos a comer we obey you to them to eat. a darles dinero para ayudarlos To give them an offering. y solamente tratarlos como cualquier otra persona And treat them like any other. en el nombre de Jesús In the name of Jesus. Amen Lord Jesus we come to you Lord we ask for your forgiveness Lord we repent for the sins of racism prejudice and bias in our hearts Lord, I repent. Lord, as the promised church, we repent. And Lord, we repent on behalf of the Church of America and our nation, Lord. God, we humble ourselves before you. We look to you, Jesus. God, we ask that you would show us your love. God, we come to you under your blood, by your blood. And we ask, Holy Spirit, by the power of the blood of Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus, that you would send your warring angels to go and to cut off the heads of every demonic stronghold and principality of racism and hatred and prejudice in our land. God, come and have your victory. God, come and pour out your spirit in a mighty way. Lord God, that ushers in a great move of love, of unity, of healing. God, that sweeps across this land. Holy Spirit, we ask, God, that you would go and send those angels, Lord God, to do your bidding on behalf of your name, Lord God, that would silence every lying spirit, every divisive spirit. And Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would come and pour out your love upon our hearts. God, that we would experience you and know your love. And Lord, that we would love our neighbor. We would love those who are around us, our brothers, our sisters. Lord God, no matter what background, no matter what race, God, no matter where we are, Lord, we would have your heart of love and compassion for those around us Lord pour out your love Lord thank you Jesus bring reconciliation bring healing Lord we thank you Jesus and Father God I, I speak on behalf of the African American community and every minority any person who's ever experienced racism and on behalf of them God I say you are forgiven God, we forgive. We choose to forgive. I pray that there would be a spirit of forgiveness for we are not ignorant of the enemy's tactics. That he wants division. And I pray 
God, for every person who's ever been hurt, that you would set them free right now. God, take off the blinders in Jesus' name that our war is not against flesh and blood. God, it's against principalities and powers. So we choose to forget. We choose to forgive, Father, in Jesus' name. Sins that happened before we were even alive. And we cut off the demonic stronghold of racism in the United States. Let it start in the Church of America as black and white and Asian and Hispanic as we choose to forgive for the sins of the past. Yes, Lord. As your blood washes every heart, I pray that hears this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen.